1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Allen Becker Investment Group. Allen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And we're also located in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across the street from my favorite store, Winkie's. We're now able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida, Go ahead and visit our website at ellenbecker.com for more details about us, about teams, as well as about future seminars um, that we'll be hosting. There's a ton of great information on our website. So today is going to be an interesting conversation. We've got a great guest, and in a moment I'll introduce her. And I decided to talk about a topic that affects all of us and that is funeral planning in fact i'm almost positive most of our listeners today have experienced a death and have either planned a funeral or played a role in planning a funeral even if the death is expected the emotions when you're planning those funerals can run high and that's over the grief of the death and all those emotions spill right into funeral planning so today i'm honored to be sitting across the table from cindy olson And she works at Hearts and Funeral Home, and we're gonna learn a lot about her world. Um, But our conversation today is going to focus on funeral planning. So with that, I want to take a moment and say welcome, Cindy. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Do you want to share a little bit um, of how you got involved in the funeral planning industry? Well, it was a total accident.
0: I, well, actually I fell in love and eventually married a mortician. (laughs) So it was a little bit different. So he worked at a funeral home and if I, if I, you know, I used to work in radio, but as I got a little bit older, I wanted to see my husband more, so I started working with him and, and doing visitations, going out on calls at, you know, night overnights and that when someone would pass away, we'd go to their home. Um, so my mother, in 2008, planned her funeral, and I was shocked. Uh, totally, it's like, Mom, what do you do? Are you going to die? I mean, what do you, why would you do this? And well, she goes, you're going to thank me someday, And five years later, my mom had a massive heart attack. And at that point, you can't ask questions like, hey, mom, what do you think about this really nice casket? Or it's over. And she was kind of in a coma, and that was it. And I was so thankful that she had planned her funeral because my brothers are running around and they're freaking out. And what are we going to do? And I'm like, she planned her funeral. So we're not going to deviate from it. Whatever mom wanted, she's getting. And we went in there, and it was all taken care of right down to the vault. And I remember looking at her casket and going, I didn't know you had any money, Mom. If I had known that, I maybe I would have borrowed some from you. <laughs> but it was such a relief to have it done. She knew her kids. She knew we'd argue. And we didn't because it was Mom's wishes what Mom wanted.
1: Well, it's funny. Um, we talk about estate planning with every client that walks through, through the door, And sometimes I'll uh, brush on funeral planning and I'll say it's the last opportunity to say I love you to your children. So true. In fact, I often encourage my clients to write I love you letters um, to their children that are cards and they're slipped in the estate planning document. So it's, um, you know, it's a very emotional meeting to go through that estate plan and then to receive this letter Um, That is handwritten by their mother can be very magical. In fact, some clients have taken it to a next level where they'll slip a little cash in that card and say, this is the time to do something for you. And it's her last gift to them. So um, it's funny that you uh, reflect on when your mother pre-planned her own funeral, what a blessing that was right, um, for you and your siblings. I worked in the, you know, I, I was doing other
0: things. At that time, I was not into funeral planning. But it's because my mom did that when the lady who had done it at Hartson uh, decided to move into something else. And they said, would you like to do it? It was natural to me because when I meet with a family, I know what the value, what the worth is of having it done. Because I've been on the other side of it where you go in and you're, you're kind of surreal. Like I was at my mom's deathbed like two hours ago. She just passed away and now I'm here. And it's, it's done. She planned it. I really All I have to do is look it over and then sign. And she prepaid it. It was done. I didn't
1: owe any more money. Well, it's interesting because sometimes families can joke about funeral planning where we joke, my mother-in-law's favorite color is pink. Mm. And my sister-in-law says, we're going to get you a pink casket. And finally, my mother-in-law said, I don't want a pink casket. (laughs) And um, so it's kind of funny. And Karen Ellenbecker used to joke that she wanted on her headstone fasting at last And um, so Julie, her daughter, made reference to that, and that was um, purely a joke, and really Karen wanted to be cremated. So kind of interesting how we joke about this, and then when it comes down to the actual planning, the humorous moments are over. I thought we'd take a moment and talk a little bit about your role and um, your job and how you touch families. And um, they're coming to you when they're in a total grief mode. They've just lost, lost a loved one, and it might have been expected or unexpected. But when you have those first conversations with the family, share with our listeners how your role impacts them so positively. Well, actually, I have
0: those conversations before the grief happens. So that's it, what, what I do try to do is because when they come in, I do get a lot of people that are dying. Um, And and they decide, like, I just had one, 91 years old, and he just got a bad diagnosis. And he comes in, he goes, well, I don't want to, I didn't want to do this. I've been putting off because I thought it would never happen. And then you sit down, and I get choked up as well because I'm like, oh, my God, the next time I see him. So we, I I do try to keep it lighthearted. I I try to put some humor into say writing his planning his obituary. I don't help them plan unless they need help with the obituary, but I try to take care of everything else for them. Like when they come in and they say, Well, I have this plot that I bought in the eighties, I have to I have to go, well, did you ever play the open and close on it? Because I know the answer is no, they didn't. And there wasn't an open and close at the time they bought those plots. So now I'm the bearer of bad news. I'm telling them all, I'm saying, well, did you ever get a headstone in there? Oh, you okay, you have a headstone. Do you have it engraved? Oh, you do. But we need to find out, was the final date included in that or will there be an extra charge? So what I try to do when a family comes in is to find out first what they want, what they're looking at, and then put on paper, kind of plot out everything, everything that might be an issue. I don't want them to have a surprise at the end.
1: So do you think, and have you seen more people pre-planning their funeral? Has that gone up statistically or in numbers? I think it has
0: because I think people are becoming more comfortable with it. I think, uh, I think a while back, even when I talked to my mom, I worked in the business. I saw what happened when people come in. There's been no planning. In fact, I can tell you there was a case a few years ago where the person died in hospice. And then at that point, right after she passed, now they're calling funeral homes. Because even when she was in hospice, they had never considered that she was actually going to die. I do understand that because it was a very surreal experience with my own mom who had been sick for so long that i just kind of got used to it but it was nice knowing in her particular case that at the end now this was like in the final couple of weeks that i actually appreciated the fact that she had planned it before that i was a little bit irritated at her for doing that i don't know why i i think i thought we were going to get out of it <laughs> you know we were going to be that one family that never has a passing but I was so thankful because... And this is what I tell people that are trying to plan and their parents are in their final days or weeks. And I say, you know what? It's very important for you to spend this time with your parent rather than coming in here and trying to scramble. If you want to, I can come out there and talk to your mom and talk to you. But if if you're listening right now and it never occurred to you, think about it now. Think about what you want because really... At at the time of passing, that's not the time to go, you know, did she want to be cremated or did she want to be buried? And does she actually have a plot somewhere? You know, that's the wrong time to be when it's when it's passed.
1: Well, and it's funny you say that because sometimes people lock up their estate plan and their final wishes document in a safety deposit box, right? Because we don't want to <gasps> oh, lose that. yeah, sure. They pass away a funerals plan. Then the family goes into the safety deposit box or kind of looks for their documents. And finds this and they think, oh, my mother, and my father would have wanted something completely different. Yes. I, and they or I, I have had this a couple of times
0: last year. They had already prepaid their funeral. <laughs> so we did. You know, we got the money back to them, but but they had it prepaid or now I get the flip or my husband actually does. What happens is they told the kids. Yeah, everything is planned. Don't worry about it. I took care of it. What they really meant was they once walked into Hearts and Funeral Home, looked around and said, yes, this will do. And then out the door they went.
1: That is <laughs> And funny. that was the plan, yes. That that happens more than you would believe. Give our clients an idea, or I should say, give our listeners an idea of what's all changed in funeral planning over these last years. Well, more people are being
0: cremated than ever before. I mean, people come in. It's, it's kind of weird for me to go, Oh wait, you're getting buried because I, you know, I get that paper out and I'm just ready to write cremation on there because everybody's doing that or cremation with memorial service because of the economics and because in a lot of cases, they're you know they're not sure that they want to be buried now they want to be scattered or they want to be taken up to the property the folks had and and so they're not thinking I want to be in a casket I want to be in a vault and I want to be at the cemetery so when they do come in and they go well actually I'm going to look at casket I'm like what. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if you want to, for sure, but, you know, I'm kind of shocked because it's really changed to cremation, a direct cremation, or a cremation with memorial service. So when somebody comes in, they want to plan the traditional, and they say, well, no, actually, I'm going to be buried, then, of course, we get down to, so do you have a plot available? Where, where are you going to be? Did you ever pay that open and close? You didn't. Okay, well, and so if somebody comes in and they've got a plot at one of the cemeteries, the first thing I do is, you know what? Let's find out if you paid it or if it's paid. Let's call up the cemetery. Let's find out. And of course, I tell the cemetery, no, death hasn't occurred. Don't worry. But we find out if it can be cost
1: guaranteed. And then we say, you know what? Let's get that cost guaranteed. Before we get into the actual costs and all the, the uh, variations of costs with different service providers, when we talk about open and close, even if you're cremated, do you pay a fee to be buried in in the ground yes. at a cemetery so there's or a still niche. A Well the open and close
0: what what has happened is that a lot of people aren't being buried anymore, or at all, cremains or a body? So it, this is what helps. We call it the perpetual care. So it's it's helping keep the cemetery solvent. It's helping pay the bills. It's helping
1: the green. Uh, that's
0: right. It's helping things crumble. This is Wisconsin. It it warms up and it thaws and it freezes and it. So yes, our cemeteries go through a, a you know a lot of weather changes. So. Uh, that helps. That helps the cemetery keep it alive. So, we're all paying the perpetual uh, fee, the perpetual care fee, and so then I find out if we can get that cost guaranteed. If they can, I have them. I have them go down there and get that taken care of. It's in their best
1: interest. That's interesting, and we're going to talk more about this. I am going to take a little break and. Um... We have a fun topic today, and I say that a lot of fun. (laughs) uh, Funeral planning. With that, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Allen Becker Investment Group. We are honored to have Cindy Olson here from Hearts and Funeral Hall. I'm honored to be here. Fabulous. And we're going to continue our conversation on funeral planning. And what's interesting, when I was researching this topic about funeral planning and pre planning, I was really surprised at the statistics. I learned that about 21% of individuals have talked with loved ones about their wishes for a final. or or I should say their wishes for their funeral. Mm -hmm. The stat was even more surprising because the same article stated that 62% surveyed thought it was important to share, yet only 21% actually share. I believe it. Um, With the families that you work with, why do you think it's such a difficult conversation? And I think, you know, in general, we know the answer. But when you work with these families, what do they share with you? Well, it is
0: difficult. First off, it's it's money, if, if you're pre-funding, it's money that you could use for vacation or something, and instead you're using it for a burial. And the person, user that's coming in to plan it, isn't going to really enjoy it. Sure, they'll be in it, but they won't themselves enjoy it. But it's also talking about the sense you're not going to be there. You're leaving the family, and that's where that I think that's where the hesitation comes in. Because it was like I couldn't talk to my mom about it. I, I heard my my husband and my mom. I, I mean, I heard my husband on on his end going, "Oh, yes, that's a fine casket, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Huber. You know, I was like, and I, but I was like, ah, I can't, you know, because it was my mom would be gone, and but I couldn't handle that.
1: Who would you want to plan your last party? But that's so. I mean, this is it. In fact, I have a colleague here who um, shares that she's planning her last party and it's going to serve her favorite foods pizza, nice. hot fudge sundaes, and martinis. I mean, this is really a celebration. I would like to be her friend. I know. (laughs) I was going to say, I can't wait for that party, but I can't wait. (laughs) So, you know, when you work with families, though, um, what are some of the benefits and why do they actually come in and pre-plan? What's motivating them?
0: Well, a couple of different things. I I get people that come in because now they've gotten a diagnosis and they have to come in. They really have to. They're being brought in by a son or daughter. I have... Some people that come in because they just went through it with their parent and they don't want to do it to their kids. Parents had no wishes. No, they had nothing planned and they had to do it and they had to sit with their brothers and sisters, perhaps in our today's family. Maybe they don't get quite along. They all don't get along together. And there was some arguing and they're like, okay, we're got, we got to, I don't want this for my kids. I have blended families. I have a husband and wife that have been together for a long time. They each have their own kids. They want to get their plans in place so that there's no disagreement between the families. Uh, then I also have uh, people that that come in because they have to spend down. They're going on Title 19 or Medicaid, and the government is saying, you can use some of that money, and you can put it in for a funeral trust. So then I do that for them, too.
1: So when you say a funeral t- trust, maybe mm-hmm. some of our listeners aren't familiar with this. So. Let's assume that I'm doing um, Medicaid planning. And what you're re- really referring to, Cindy, is the fact that in order to get on a government entitlement program for a nursing home or assisted living, they limit you as far as um, your wealth or the value of assets that you have. And one of the things the government realizes is uh, people do want to pre for a funeral. So they'll allow individuals to spend the money on their funeral planning And then um, those assets are not counted when they're making the calculation to see if an individual is accepted under the Medicaid rules and regulations. So you use the term funeral trust. Right. Um, Share with our listeners what that means. Well, in the state of Wisconsin, the
0: funeral home cannot accept the funds. The funds have to go into a trust. And the funeral home can touch the money after the person and only after the person has passed away. So in the state of Wisconsin, it's 100% funded. It is not like that in other states. Uh, in Florida, uh, the funeral homes are still taking the money. In the state of Minnesota, now, I keep in mind, this was as a couple of years ago. It might have changed. Uh, in, the, in the state of Minnesota, some funeral homes can borrow off the growth of what the trust has made up to a certain amount. But in the state of Wisconsin, it's 100% funded. So when you put that money in, it is being used for your funeral, it is not being touched by any way by the funeral home.
1: All right, so let me go through an example. Let's assume that I wanted to pre-plan my funeral today. Mm -hmm. And for simple um, purposes, let's assume I put $10,000 into this funeral trust. Mm -hmm. And now I've um, dedicated $10,000 for my funeral planning. It's irrevocable. I can't call you up one day and say, I've changed my mind. I want my money back.
0: If you're you're going on Medicaid or Title 19, it's irrevocable. Yes, the government does. uh, If it's revocable, I have some people that planned their funerals back in the 90s, and they wrote revocable. Now they have dementia. Their son is calling me up in a panic, and they're saying the state's going to make me cash this out. I have to change this to irrevocable. Well, the dad has to sign. The dad has dementia. Sometimes the dad will still sign it, or we have to get all the power of attorney paperwork in to get that change. So it it does become a hassle. I, I do advise most people to make it irrevocable. I say, if you are putting money away for a funeral, well, first off, as long as you don't have a terminal condition, you really have to do it, or you're going on state aid, if you're just planning uh, your funeral right now ahead of time and you're putting money away make sure this is really something you want to do I've actually talked a couple people out of it they don't know if they're going to live here they're still relatively young they thought it was a great idea and I think it is too but they don't know where they're going to be and they're kind of like well can I cash it out and at that point I say let's think about this let's you don't want to be putting money in and then pulling it out if you you want to be sure this is really what you want to do with the money and and so sometimes i do talk people you know i i want them to be happy it doesn't do me any good I, I work with that family and they're unhappy at the end of it. So with with a trust, when they're putting money for a trust, the first thing I do, I wouldn't let you just put 10000 bucks in. I would say, well, do you want to be buried? Where do you want this money earmarked? If you're going on Medicaid or Title 19, I do earmark all the funds. Uh, they all have a purpose. So when the uh, state of Wisconsin looks over my shoulder and they're looking at what I just wrote down that they're putting the money away towards They go, okay, yep, this is good, this is good. You can put money in for a luncheon. You can't put money to fly your family home for your funeral. That has changed. But you can put money away for flowers. You can put it away for an obituary, for the pastor honorarium, the church fees, the open and closed costs, unless, of course, the cemetery has it cost guaranteed, then I send you down to the cemetery and say, that would really be best because then it won't go up on you. So, in our, our um, putting away caskets and also for the things that we do for cremation and uh, burial, uh, we can cost guarantee the funeral home fees so that it will not go up on you or your family at the time of passing.
1: So, if I pre plan and I um, deposit $10,000 mm-hmm. in my simple example, I would work mm-hmm. with Hearts and fu- Funeral Homes. So, I would want to make sur- sure I'm going to live in this area that mm-hmm. the funeral home is going to be around for the next sure. 50 years because if the funeral home closed its doors, what would happen to my $10,000?
0: Very good question. That's why it all goes into trust in the state of Wisconsin. It goes into, I, I work with homesteaders. I've worked with NGL, National Guardian Life. They're from Madison. Uh, funeral trust companies that have been around since the early 1900s, that's all they do, funeral trust. You might have heard funeral insurance. Well, it is fueled by whole life so that it grows better than uh, a bank trust. If somebody puts money in a bank trust, they're probably in hospice care. It doesn't grow much. It's a place to put the money. Where where the parent puts the money, perhaps because their kids don't have it, so it's there and it can be taken out and used for their funeral. But you put it in that trust, and the trust is portable. So if you move to California, I can send your trust to the funeral home in California. They may not price guarantee. They may not uh, say, well, we can match those prices, but your money will go there. Or you can leave it in the trust because the trust is homesteaders well that's in Des Moines that's where the money is staying or in Madison with National Guardian Life that's where the money actually is so it moves around with you Uh, in the state of Wisconsin if a funeral home goes bust it's not going to affect your trust you'll have to look for another funeral home but it will not affect your trust in any way that's why the state of Wisconsin does it that way
1: perfect good to know We've talked a lot about um, the t- Funeral Trust and a little bit about working with families. We're going to take a brief break, and when we get back, we're going to expand on this topic. <music> Welcome back to Money Sense. My name is Jean Range, and I'm a Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today we have Cindy Olson from Hartson Funeral Home. And we are talking about funerals. Um, we're talking about the importance or the option of pre-planning uh, versus planning a funeral upon a death. And I thought I'd spend this segment talking about meaningful funerals. Mm. And before we even jump into what makes a funeral meaningful, my first question is, should I even have a funeral? Do Does everybody have a funeral? No, everybody does not
0: have a funeral. But... I think you should have something, even if it's not in the traditional funeral sense of the funeral home. When I talk to people, I say, they're like, well, when I'm gone, I'm gone. Well, not necessarily. There's a big hole that's missing when you're gone, and your family still misses you. So I'm I'm like, if you're not going to have a funeral, at least do something at your home. What? And I asked the the man, well, what what did you like to do? Well, I like to barbecue. So I said, why don't you put down that family has a barbecue in your honor? So are you being buried? No, no, just cremains, just in a box. You can put me in a Folgers can. Well, okay. How about you be guest of honor? with your in your Folgers can with a with a coffee glass next to you or in my girlfriend's case when she before she passed away it was at her favorite bar but it was actually burger burger bar it wasn't like just a you know so they had a back room and Sue was there. And they wrapped her up. They had her in the utility urn, you know, your basic heavy-duty black plastic box, but wrapped up in her favorite scarf from France. And so she's at the table, and we've got a glass of wine in front of her. She always drank that horrible Merlot stuff. I just, I never, but anyway, it was there for Sue. And now this was almost 10 years ago. Last year, we went camping. That was something that... I did with her sister and her and some other friends. And we called her husband up and asked if we could borrow Sue for camping because she's still sitting where he put her almost 10 years ago on the fireplace mantel. So we took her camping with us. So you can do that with cremains. Don't try to do that with a body. <laughs>
1: Look at how impactful that was. And you're right. There wasn't a service, right. a traditional service in, in that sense. Um, so that is really interesting.
0: Well, a lot of people aren't traditional anymore. We've got a whole new generation coming up that... They go to those, they they aren't really even sure what to do at them. And so, you know, for for some people, that's a great idea. For some people, they would benefit in doing something else.
1: Well, we're going to talk a little bit about um, symbols and rituals on a funeral, but I'm going to share a personal story uh, that came to light as you were sharing yours. Um, when my grandmother's sister's husband passed away, mm. it was a beautiful service. He was cremated. So this was the first service that I was at where the family walked up to church at the altar with his remains in a cremation box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after the service, we all exited the church and there was music being played And right outside the door was this beautiful white pigeon in this beautiful cage with this white bow. And they released this um, pigeon into the sky. It circled twice over the um, church and then flew home. But it was so memorable for me when my mother passed away. This family gave that as a gift to our family because I said that was just... It was an experience to listen to the music and to see this bird fly to the clouds. And uh, it was very uh, impactful. Um, That is so awesome. And that talks about the personal way we can create these funerals. Because really a funeral is for the living, right? That's right. It's uh, for us to really heal through the process and celebrate. In fact, at some some cultures, uh, when somebody passes away, they'll actually clap and celebrate
0: we have where now we if if somebody is an orthodox uh jew or an orthodox muslim they have their own funeral homes because there's a specific way they do things but we do have services where the family will follow uh that person into the uh the crematory area and they will while singing and chanting push them into the oven I wouldn't be able to do that, but that's what they do, and that brings them peace and closure. So we've seen that, and we've seen a lot of stuff that maybe I can't share, but, I mean, just different cultures doing things. There's so many ways to say goodbye.
1: That's right. And, you know, when you reflect on the personal funerals you've been to or even how do you want your funeral Mm plan? you're right. There are so many ways to say goodbye.
0: Well, I had a mini stroke about three years ago, and it was it was pretty nasty, and and it's uh, it made me really take a good look at how I do it. It's it's not enough for me to sit down with somebody and help them plan their funeral. Hey, I better I I better be doing it too because I'm going out the same way somehow. Uh, so, or what is it? I'm, I'm, I'd like to go out quietly like my grandpa did, not screaming and crying like the passengers in his car. It's one of my (laughs) favorite jokes. But in my, in my sense, I now have a burial plot. Uh, My husband and me are arguing if, if I would, if I would pass first, I would like to be cremated. Now you, you can have my body present for the service, then cremate me. And then when he passes, I'd like to go under his arm. You know, he can. They can bury me with him. I that's what I would like. My husband disagrees, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work out here. My husband wants to be definitely buried. So, uh, you know, people have very firm. I I rarely get somebody in going. Well, you know, I could go either way. Did I just don't get that? You you. It's like when somebody chooses a casket. They don't go, well, I'm not really sure. No, it's like I either like wood or I like metal. You know, my mother was definitely a metal woman, you know. Yeah. But wood is warm. So, I mean, uh, people say people can get caught up on the type of vault. Well, we have we need it to seal or, you know, the differences of different vaults. And I'm like, well, are you planning on bringing them back up? Because that will, <laughs> that will affect what vault you should be buying. Right. You know, right. so, and they look at me weird. But I do try to put humor in the planning because – You know, when you're sitting there and that person is actually realizing I'm not going to live forever, which I have had an experience I know I'm not, but I I want it to be more of a joyous. I want them to be in control of what they're planning because I know how much that's going to mean to their kids, but for instance, with them. I encourage them to write their own obituary. I tell people, do not leave that to your kids. You do that. It doesn't have to be. I was born here. I died here. Here's all the people I survived, and here's all the people I didn't. How about what was your favorite? What was your favorite joke? What was Mom's favorite saying? Uh, what? Uh, what, did you meet somebody famous? What was that like? I have a travel lady that's already written her her tip. That was a professional travel agent. She said normally I'd have to I'd have to die for, or normally you'd have to come see me to get this and pay for this. But when I pass, here is my tip for free, and it's I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> Hopefully she's not listening to I S N. But she said buy travel insurance. So that was her big tip. My grandmother. Did a lot of great things in her life. The eighth of nine kids grew up super poor and yet persevered. Uh, Got both of her kids. She had no money. Her husband died when she was young. Got both of her kids through college. And then she went back at age 50 to become an LPN. She was Cloris Leachman's babysitter.
1: Wow. And
0: you know what my brother remembered when she died because my mother was too distraught to write the obituary. My brother remembered that she liked to watch Lawrence Welk. And that's what went in the obituary.
1: That is funny. People,
0: do not let this happen to you.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that is Write your
0: own obituary.
1: Well, it's funny. When my uh, mother and father passed away, um, we took it upon ourselves to write a letter. And we shared Mm. that letter at the services. And uh, my husband... Um, who's a great writer, actually wrote my mother's. And um, oh. my sister, um, Sua, shared that she will never forget that and has a different view of my husband because of that experience. Uh, when my father passed away, I and my husband wrote it, and we shared that letter at the um, cemetery. So oh. it was a great healing process for all of us. And it gave the people attending the funeral a little insight in my mother and my father's life beautiful so it was and that's right there it's what that funeral should be right and it was a great experience we're going to take a little break here when we come back we're going to continue this conversation and uh, we're going to learn more about pre-planning your funeral so with that we'll take a brief break Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We have been talking about funeral planning, and we are here with um, Cindy Olson, part of Hartson Funeral Home. In fact, if you'd like to reach out to her, give her a call. She can be reached at 414-425-9797. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there going, you know what, I think I want to do this pre-planning, Um, She'd love to help you. I thought I'd spend this last segment on looking at how do you make a mass or a visitation more personal. So I know, and I'm going to share with you, the photo boards. Everybody has photo boards. And now people have done them uh, with digital technology of having a presentation or um, uh, photos up on a big screen TV. And we jokingly say when we do photos in our family... This one's for my photo board. <laughs> so when we're at a party or a celebration or on a vacation, I'll say, let's do a photo for our photo board. And we all say that joking. But when you start to go to funerals and you look at these photo boards, they are pretty cool. What are some I other ways? Know. I know, because you learn so much about the person. Um, what are some of the other ways people make visitations and masses more personal? Well, if I can just go
0: back on the photo boards... M- moms and dads, if you're thinking about planning your funeral, this would be a good time for you to go through and pull your pictures out, or even even if you have them in a book, write down where that was, because you'll see a photo board, and I'll go up and I'll say, I'll see a picture, and I'll I'll ask the daughter or the son, oh my goodness, that's really awesome. Do you know where that is? And They go, oh no, I have no idea. I have no idea what year this is. I have no. You know, so moms and dads uh, write down something about that picture. Leave it in your uh, leave it in your photo album so that, well, on the photo board, we can have like a little print of you know just something underneath saying this was at such and such. Now some people are taking that photo board later and they're going like to uh, one of the shops and having them made into a frame. And put them on the wall, dad or mom's memorial wall or whatever. But rather than put the pictures back in the photo album, never to be seen again, they they just leave them out. And they, they put a, uh, you know, backing on that and, you know, glass and they hang it up as a big picture. That's a great idea. And then it's not wasted. Then you're not well. You know what's going to happen afterwards. The like it did at my house. Photo board goes in the back and it just sits there forever. Until somebody else told me what they were going to do, and I'm like, I'm grab my photo board and out it goes. And we get like, you know, I've turned it into picture and I've got the the mom and dad memorial wall. And my my husband hates it. He's like, oh good, the death the death wall. <laughs> but I'm like, no. To me, they're living. They're there. I see yeah. them every morning. So that's something to do with the photo boards afterwards, but also the flowers. People bring yearbooks. Uh, we had somebody that was in World War II, uh, his, we had his Navy suit hanging up. That was at Wisconsin Memorial Park and they have something to hang that suit on. So that was up near the casket. Uh, as far as flowers, uh, even with the urns, they've got beautiful urn sprays, but even if you don't want to have an urn spray that kind of circles around the urn, like a big giant hug, Um uh, for one of my friends, I did, like, a Red, White, and Blue. He was a veteran. And put it right behind his urn with a really nice photo of him that was, rec- uh, well, not super recent because he was very ill, but had that and his flag. And you you just, I
1: walked in and got chills when I saw that. I could feel them. What do people do with music? Music is a huge part of my family's world, Um, how do people personalize funerals with music? Well, people, you know, when somebody sits down with me, I ask
0: them about that. Sometimes they're kind of squeamish about talking about that, but I tell them, you know, think about that. Send me a list. You know, I give them a stamp, self-addressed envelope. Send me if you get, you know, if you decide. And you know what? A year or two later, I will get, along with their favorite picture for the obituary. Uh, They'll do that because I also encourage people to, kind of look around and and pick a picture. Don't leave that quite to the kids either because, and the one thing I really feel I need to say, there's no law that says the last picture ever taken of you is the one that goes on the, oh, no. I've seen pictures of people that were obviously at the nursing home, glazed over eyes, a gait belt around them, and a hand holding them up. I have seen that picture several times. And you know that when they got to age 90, they had to have had one really good picture in their 50s, you know, and so families take a look at a picture and go, you know, this is the one I would really like to represent me. My mom had been sick for so long. Most of the pictures of her last 30 years were horrible, but I used her nursing photo when she was 21, you know, like crisp white hat. Yes. Everybody said that didn't look like your mom. I didn't know that was her. I'm like, no, that was how my mom would have wanted to be remembered.
1: Well it's interesting in the paper when they'll have two photos, a photo of them in their twenties and then a photo later on in life and I it love is that. yeah, you get to a little insight into their world when you have a master visitation, sometimes people invite the attendees up to share um, a memory or a thought. How common do you think that is, and do people get really engaged in the process? Some do yes, absolutely, some do, and I do say
0: have make sure that everybody has it written down because what happens is sometimes now not at the Catholic funerals (laughs) you you got a priest there he's like cracking the whip he's like okay you out you know so but at a lot of funerals sometimes if somebody didn't plan anything you'll know it because about 10-15 minutes when they've told the one story three or four times in a row and I don't mind because that you know that's bringing healing to them but you you want to go up and you want to say something about your family member and you want people to remember it so really take one thing and
1: that in, you know kind of encaptures their life and then and and share that talk to me a little bit about green funerals so i'm starting to read a little bit and i know we're in the midwest so it may be very different on different parts right. or very different as far as popularity on different coasts um, what is a green funeral? Green
0: funeral, somebody is not embalmed. And they're put like in a container that will eventually disintegrate. So they're put in a grave that usually isn't really, it's not so much that it's not marked, but it's kind of in a nice, beautiful area where families can walk around like a park-like setting. And I think that's really cool. Chris. course, I joke that the green, as green as you can get is cremation. I mean, but, but you know what? I think that's absolutely beautiful. It's really not as popular as it gets written about yet. I really don't see it too much because the cost hasn't come down. So a lot of times when they're coming in and they're planning a green burial and they're thinking this is going to be really inexpensive. Well, not yet. Uh, The uh, the burial plots are still somewhat expensive. There is an open and closed fee. Um, But as far as other things, uh, that can be taken care of quite easily, but I like I like the whole concept of green burial. But then again, I like that I can go to the cemetery. My mom is and there's a headstone. My mother picked her headstone out a year and a half before she died. Uh, she put her favorite Bible verse on there uh, because that was important to her. So I go by. And the other thing that I like about i not saying that I don't like I do like green burials I for me. I kind of flirting with it, but again, my husband will have to make the decision. <laughs> but I like, like I can still go online and look at my mom and dad's. Um, I can, I can look at their, t- uh, not tombstone is that the yeah. right word? Yeah, here I am. I'm a funeral yeah. planner. This is a tombstone. But I go and find a grave, and you know, all these cemeteries all over the country are putting pictures and their obituaries on there. So sometimes I can't sleep at night. I miss my parents so bad. I go online and look it up and go, "Hey, there's her." <laughs> There it there is. They are. There's my mom's, you know, there's my mom's tombstone that she picked out,
1: you know, and I and it kind of makes me feel better. That's good to know. Veteran burials, and I know uh, we have a, a little bit of time left here, but that ceremony is fabulous. Oh
0: my goodness, yes.
1: Try not to cry during
0: that. The the, the gun salute, the uh, the taps the uh, ceremonial flag folding and 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 seeing these young guys that are coming in and doing it and some of the older veterans that participate in this and they they are so honored to do it for another veteran um, we just had one last week and it was Navy and we pulled up and they they were as, as the hearse came in they were all saluting and to do that was just I you know I, I get pe- that I get people like my own dad six years in the service oh you don't have to do one for me dad this means something to the grandkids. Uh, they also have benefits. They also have uh, burial if they need it. There's a spouse fee, but you can be buried. At, not at Wood, that's full, but at Union Grove. Uh, so those are things to consider. You can call me, and I can send you a pamphlet of your rights and what you're entitled to for a veteran ceremony.
1: So, we've had a great conversation talking about personalizing a mass the kind of the things that have been successful or uh the way to personalize If somebody wants to reach out to you to get kind of a checklist absolutely again, you can reach Cindy at four one four four two five. 97.97. 97. I'm going to close today's topic and I want to thank you for spending the morning with us. I, it was so much fun. <laughs> and with that, I want to remind everybody, as always, we hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Be well.